BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Hashtag Real Pod. I am so excited that you pressed play today to listen to this awesome episode for all of the girl bosses out there looking to figure out how to manifest their dreams and their crazy schedules. Joining me today is the one and only Angie Lee. Angie went from being over $100,000 in debt to making seven figures as an entrepreneur. She is a public speaker holding conferences throughout the country to help women start and thrive in their businesses. She's real, funny, outgoing, and we talk about making goals a reality, anxiety that comes with striving for success, and also Angie's favorite topic, embracing and accepting failure. Yes, Angie's going to tell you why you should not fear failure. I loved everything she had to say today. I learned so much, especially as a young entrepreneur. So I'm so excited to share that all with you. Coming at you hot right now on Hashtag RealPod. to have you and I just kind of want to hear everything like let's start from the bottom I re- I remember I recently read one of your Instagram posts that said um you had your dream of starting a podcast and your boyfriend quote you spit up his coffee laughing at the idea and I think we've all had haters we've all had people that you know told us we couldn't be what we wanted to be so who was Angie before you know, the Angie Lee show and everything that you are now, who's that girl and, and what was life like for her? Yeah. I decided at a really young age, I would say within a week of being at college, I knew that I wasn't meant to be there. And it was almost as if I always was one of those kids who wanted to get out and work and wanted to be an entrepreneur since a really young age. And I hated following the rules. I hated education or the the traditional education system, I should say. And, um, in college, I started this health and wellness blog and unintentionally it blew up. And obviously the intention at the time was just to share information for free with, with women. And the next thing you know, that built an audience and I just stayed consistent with it. And the podcast wasn't until gosh, about five years in. So four years ago. And I was super nervous because at, at the time, you know, I didn't have a super, super large audience and I kind of was just throwing it out there. And again, this has all been from, from this, this, which I'm sure you have too. It's just been this passion to share with women and I'm just a natural share and I'm, I'm, I'm a natural enthusiast. And so for me, all of this has come pretty natural to just share my life and to share tips and hacks and wellness and now business hacks. So what started as a, as a funny, silly wellness blog in my college dorm room, my 600 square foot college dorm room with four readers, one of them including my mom, turned into now hundreds of thousands of women and a, you know, 7 million downloads on my podcast. And it, it's insane to think about because it started with just a blog and it started with me sharing workout tips on Facebook. And I would ask people, what tips do you want? And I would post like, literally I had a blog about like burpees and protein shakes. And it was just very basic information. And then what happened is women started to reach out and say, how are you monetizing? How are you growing your brand? How are you doing that? And so it's just, it's just been a natural evolution. When you first started out, did you, when you, when it started picking up, were you thinking, okay, I can take this somewhere? Was that something you were fairly confident about? Or did you ever deal with moments of thinking, you know, I know someone could do this, but is it me? Like, am I capable of doing this? Mm. I would say it's been 50, 50. There has been, there has been a lot of fear and there there's, I've had a ton of doubts about what, what I'm doing and where it's going because the first three years of it, I didn't really make a dollar. You know, I, I was 
creating content on the internet for free. And my parents and my friends thought I was nuts. And they're like, dude, when are you going to stop with this blog thing? And, and my, I remember my parents being like, why are you responding to these girls online? <laughs> like, what are you, what are you saying to them? What are you saying to these strangers? And now it's hilarious because obviously they get, they get what I do, but there was 50% of me that thought I was crazy and, and just wanted to give up and thought this is so silly and stupid. But there was another part of me that just knew that I was going to build a community. And, and since a really young age, I was able to forecast social media and, and the trends of it. And I knew with every fiber in my being that building an audience was the smartest thing I could do, no matter what I wanted to sell, right? You need customers to sell. And so as a, as a natural creative person, I just kept creating and I kept saying to my friends and family, listen, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out how to monetize this. And eventually I did through health coaching programs and eBooks and, and sponsorships and ads and all of those things. But it was baby steps, right? And I want a woman listening to understand that I have these things now, these, these different sources of income, but that didn't happen all at once. Obviously it was each, each had its own uh, time, but yeah, it's been about 50, 50. I think half of me has been scared shitless and the other half of me is a businesswoman. And I knew once I got my first customer online, (laughs) I'll always remember this girl that bought my $16 ebook. I literally freaked out. I was jumping up and down in my dorm room. I think I called my mom crying and I was like, mom, someone bought my ebook. I'm rich. Like this is, <laughs> this is the best day of my life. And she was like, what? It's $16. I'm like, I know. But if one person, one stranger that I don't know can purchase something from me online. And you know, this was 2012, 13. If, if I can do that once I can do that a thousand times and I'm going to keep doing this. And I was hooked and the rest is history. And that's not easy to do. You say in your dorm room, I think a lot of people are always like, I want to do this. I want to be that. Um, I have a friend that is just graduating college and realizing I hate this. I want to sing. And she's starting from the bottom. And I think a lot of people fear how they can just start and how they get going. So like creating that first ebook, you know, looking back on it, is it an ebook that you think is you know, not as far developed as something you would create now. Like, could you just share a little bit about what it was like putting things out there in the beginning, knowing you might fail, it might not be perfect, but the importance of just starting. Yeah, honestly, it's, it's, gosh, that's, that's one of my favorite. I think that, um, it's not even, I think, I mean, I know that successful people didn't just wake up successful. Beyonce didn't just wake up Beyonce, right? And I made a post the other day about this called Beyonce poops, which which means that, you know, anybody is nobody, which basically means that their first version, their first song, their first piece of work wasn't their best. And if it is your best, then you waited way too long. Because if you think about it, if your first version isn't messy, then you, you really didn't take that initial action. And I've learned to become really good at course creation, live events, physical product. I mean, I have all of these things going on right now. I didn't know what I was doing with any of them. And the only way I got good at them is sucking first. Literally, I just sucked. And my first ebook looked like the most janky thing that a fifth grader made, right? But I just I just put it out there. And I think that's what separates me right now in this space is I'm not afraid to look stupid. I'm not afraid to create something we have these people that we idolize or careers that we aspire to have. And so we're seeing someone's Instagram page or their website or their product and it's pristine. And, you know, we're thinking, Oh, I want to be like them. I can be like them, but kind of forgetting about the years and years and years that it took that person to even get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually making a post on this called what you don't see because I think that they see a lot of the flashy lights or the interviews or the fun promo videos, and they see a lot of the things that I'm doing right now. But what they don't see is years and years and years of not having a big social life in order to create content and pump this out. What they don't see is the $100,000. What'd you say? I said, sorry. I just, I love that you brought up the social life thing. That's something I'm really struggling with right now, building Mm -hmm. my, uh, just building what I want to create and the work I want to do. And it's so time consuming. And so I just, sorry, you need to jump in. I would love to know what you think about that and that sacrifice Mm. and what that's been like for you, because it is hard to be a girl and not have the GNO and like the girls night out or like your girl squad. And I really, um, struggle with like, you know, putting my career first 
and that sacrifice and finding a balance. So what would your advice be, you know, to me? Oh, I love that question. No one's really interviewed me on that. So this is juicy. Let, let's talk about it because yeah, I, you know, I'm a juicy real pod. <laughs> I love it. I love it. 19 to 23, 19 to yeah, I would say 19 to 23, 19 to 24, my head was down. I had blinders on. I didn't have a huge social life. I didn't go out and party a lot in college. I was writing, I was recording, I was responding to stuff, I was blogging, I was skipping class to great content. I was in the zone and I'm still in the zone, but I finally now feel like I'm coming up for air and I have a social life and I have these other elements of my life, but I'm, I'm all about abundance. I'm all about the ampersand. I I got the tattoo of the ant sign because I believe that we can have it all and be it all, but I think there are still seasons, right? And I had to go through that sucky, not so sexy season of pushing really hard and knowing that your business has it has a masculine energy to it and has a feminine energy. And the masculine energy is a little bit more of the the doer energy. And that's where, honestly, the first few years of entrepreneurship aren't super fun. And I don't miss them. <laughs> I don't miss the first few years. They definitely made me who I am. But I now feel like I'm at that sweet spot where it's enjoyable and I've created the lifestyle I want. But my early 20s weren't fun. And I, I grew up fast. I didn't really get to enjoy college parties and a lot of stuff that other kids got to enjoy. So that's, that's kind of what I sacrificed, to be honest. And, you know, I was working jobs, two jobs once while I was, while I was building this. I was working, gosh, yeah, I was working two jobs while building this on the side at night. And so I think that's what a lot of women don't see and they don't realize is that the beginning may not be super sexy, but it doesn't have to be like that forever. So you have to, especially, gosh, if you gals are under 30, it's like that now is the time to take advantage of your future and really own that, right? Because before you have kids and a mortgage and a husband, it's like, dude, what else do you have to do? Put your face down and grind. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And I think the other thing is, you know, when you are starting off, you don't have employees. You don't have people you're going to meet every day to like sort of have a lunch break with them or build relationships. It is you, your computer, your phone, whatever it is. And you're by yourself all the time. And so, you know, I've just kind of found that I love my work and I'm so grateful that I'm not working a nine to five desk job that I hate, like a lot of people I know are, but at the same time, um, you know, I don't get that 6 PM drinks with all my friends in the city afterwards. Um, so, you know, there's pros and cons to everything, but that's definitely something that's kind of, I feel like hit me over the head, uh, is that, you know, cause I was a college athlete. So I thought, oh, when this ends, I'll have all my friends in a great social life. But then I went straight into work 24 seven that, um, you know, I didn't get that. I, that didn't just like swim up to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just knowing what you, this is where self-awareness is so key for entrepreneurship. You have to know what you want. And if what you want is bigger than partying all the time and going out, then you'll make the sacrifice and there's no right or wrong, right? So for a woman listening to this, who doesn't want that lifestyle, then maybe entrepreneurship isn't for you. And that's cool. And that's okay. It's not for everyone. I'm crazy. I I think that majority of people are actually, this is controversial to say, but majority of women and men should not be entrepreneurs. I think it's for a very small amount of people. Uh, I don't preach that it's for everyone. And I think if it's not for you, then that's fine. You could still be a leader in your company and you could still be a leader and a go-getter in a corporation. And then maybe you have a side hustle that you kind of like to do just to make some additional income. You don't have to go full, full out, right? I, I'm a very, I'm an extremist. So for me, I had no other option. I wanted to go balls to the walls hundred percent. I wanted this to be my lifestyle. So that self-awareness was the first step for me to know what do I want? What does this look like for me? So I think that's the first thing you ladies should ask yourself is what do you want that lifestyle to look like when you're 30, 35, 40 and start building that foundation now so you can reap those benefits. And I love how you said, um, I think you said, if you have to want it more than you want to party or you want to do this. And I think that's the difference is like, if you really want something, you are going to do what needs to be done to make that thing happen. And Gary V posted something today. He said, everyone who sees this post has a dream or ambition that would allow them to live a life less than 1% live. But wouldn't you think it takes the effort that outspaces the other 99%? And so I I loved it because it's so true. It's like we all want this life that 1% of people have. And the way that that, those 1% of people get there and they have a career they love or they have an empire they've built is they've put in all the work that so many other people won't put in. 
And it's, it's a yeah. grind, it's definitely a grind. Yeah. What has your mental health experience been like with all of this? I know you've told me you've yeah. suffered with anxiety. I've seen some of your Instagram posts about um, mental health as well. So how has that evolved for you? Yeah, it's been crazy because, gosh, I was dealing with such bad anxiety attacks about two, three years into my business just because it was growing faster than I could keep up with. And I didn't entrepreneurship, there's not, there's not a rule book that someone hands you. There's not a class for it. You're just learning as you go. So it's a shit show sometimes and you're hiring and firing and you're launching and you're making a lot and then you're losing money. It's just a lot. It's a lot of stress on the system sometimes. So I had a lot of these panic attacks and these anxiety attacks. And I think now looking back, it was, you know, I was trying to assess, was it biological? Was it like, where did these attacks come from? And so it was really interesting. I took a holistic approach to it and I found obviously over time, it was mostly emotional and mostly the pressure that I put on myself to be perfect or to be a certain way. And, and, uh, (laughs) I think the, the perfectionist in, in a lot of us and a lot of women, it can really eat us alive. And the next thing you know, your system just kind of has a breakdown. So I had my first really bad anxiety attack like five years ago, randomly in a car, worst experience in my entire life. I lived with it for two months straight. We couldn't figure out what it was. Literally thought I was dying. It just overcame you in your car randomly? Yeah, I was in the passenger seat and uh, literally just randomly felt the most out-of-body experience, uh, like almost like, I mean, you talk about mental health, like depersonalization and like severe. And it was really bad. I like saw white. It was super freaky. I actually don't even like really share this story a lot. So this is, this is a cool place to share it, but I've, I'm, I'm good now, but I wasn't the same for about two, three years because it was such a shocking experience for my system and my brain. And I don't know if it was, you know, listen, the woo woo side of it, it was up leveling, breaking through something, emotionality, biological side, who knows, vitamins, mineral balance. Gosh, there could have been a million things that happened that day. I could have been, I felt like I was poisoned to be honest. So still to this day, I think something happened like that I ingested. Um, it felt very systemic. So honestly, that's where CBD came in. So my brother and I started taking CBD. That's why I have the CBD line now. And I have the CBD line. I have soul because of these horrible, horrible anxiety attacks. And so now I have more of a low, what I would call a low grade anxiety that a lot of high functioning, ambitious women deal with because we're just driven and we're type A a little bit and we want to get shit done. Um, But I don't have any severe attacks anymore. Thank God I haven't had one in five years. And uh, God, that was the worst experience of my entire life (laughs) by far. That definitely sounds very frightening. And I'm sorry you had to deal with that. And it's something yeah. that, you know, we don't really think can be us until it is. And I think we hear this word panic attack uh, used a lot. And, um, you know, when you someone like you describes an experience like that, I can't say I've had an experience like that. And so, you know, I think mental health is different for everyone. And um, I think, what what is it that you gained from that experience? Because I know a lot of women listening might have had a panic attack or might be experiencing anxiety and and they're just hoping that it might be for something better or it might be helpful. Are there any mm-hmm. anything that you've taken away from that experience or, or that it's helped you in some way? Maybe be more cautious of um, your emotions, you're more aware. Uh, what do you yeah. think? <laughs> I believe that anxiety is actually a gift and you ladies listening may not believe that, but anxiety is truly a gift. And it's, it's a, it's a sign from your system that something is not calibrated. And it's almost as if it's a signal of inauthenticity. And my anxiety was a sign of not living in full alignment. This was when I still had my, my job and I was working two jobs and building this brand. And yes, I was overworked and stressed, but I also felt as if my system knew that something needed to change and that I needed to really go full time and to really take action full time on this dream. And uh, now after discussing or interviewing a lot of women who've dealt with anxiety attacks, they're usually at a point in their life when things were not balanced and there was this, this sense of not living their truth. And I do think anxiety is almost like a tap on the door. It's like a little nudge from the universe saying, hey, something's got to change, whether that's your health, your mindset, your lifestyle, your career, something's got to change. And so I think it's a gift. It's such a beautiful gift. It's such a beautiful wake up call. And it also taught me how to slow down. You know, I've been a very high energy person my entire life. I still am compared to most people, but 
I now incorporate meditation and low intensity exercise. And I take breaks from my business here and there for brain health. And I don't think I would be so passionate about brain health and CBD and all these natural alternatives if I didn't have that anxiety attack. So yeah, it's, it's made me a more empathetic person too. You know, before that, I would hear women talk about them. And I'm like, what do you mean? You just freaked out? And they would always say to me, you'll know if you have one because I cannot explain to you what it feels like. And even now today, it's very difficult to put into words what happened that day, but it's it's something that now I have empathy of, right? So when a girl tells me that she has anxiety, I can come from a place of, oh, holy shit, I know what that feels like. It's It's debilitating. You can't function. You can't work. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to be a leader. You don't want to do anything. And so, yeah, honestly, as much as it sucked, it was a gift because my purpose here on this planet is to help humans and to serve humans. And the more, not the more pain I feel, but anytime I experience a mutual pain that humans go through, I, I can understand them better. Right. And so it, it yeah. And yeah. because you have such a powerful platform and you use your voice. If you experience something, you can advocate for it. You can now say, this is my analysis. This is what's helped me because so many others don't have that mm-hmm. bravery. Yeah. It's coming from a true place of empathy versus just a basic understanding of it. And now I love talking about anxiety. I love talking about stress and brain health because it's the most important thing we have. If you don't take care of your stress and you don't take care of your brain, it's impossible to function and to build a business and to be successful. I'd love to know what you think about time management and how you work that balance into your life because there is this mentality of the entrepreneur, which is grind, grind, grind. Like when you're sleeping, you could be sending another email, you could be doing this and that. So how have you been able to stay hungry and stay gritty and and all and put all that work in, but also know how to incorporate things that are going to, you know, work in harmony with your mental health? Yeah. Oh, that is the million dollar question. (laughs) That is it right there. I know, right? Yeah, it's it. You know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out because, you know, I want a family and I want all of those things soon and it's hard to balance it all. But I have found that when I'm on, I am on. And when I'm off, I am off. And so like today I am in the zone till about four. I started at about eight, tons of interviews, podcasts, and then I'll see my boyfriend or I'll see friends and then I, I'm off, you know, and I'm not in that world. I'm not Angie Lee, the brand. I'm, I'm, I'm off for a bit. And so I think having social media detoxes and not having my phone with me, I love when I'm able to go do these social events or uh, date nights or whatever and not have my phone just because my life is on my phone and I have thousands of people asking things for me all day long and it's exhausting. And so I'm really at, at that stage now where I'm trying to find a separation between brand and self, even though they are very similar. So when I'm on, I'm on, I'm in the zone. I work really hard, but then I also know when to, to stop and to play and to make the days enjoyable. And when I'm off, I'm off and I don't want to talk about work. And a lot of my girlfriends, we don't talk about all day. Like this is not, this is not what I I don't think about it 24 seven anymore. I used to think about it 24 seven. And now it's not that I'm sick of it, but after doing it for 10 years and building a personal brand, you kind of start to, the pendulum swings and your system starts to crave balance and it wants a life. And so I put in those years, like we talked about earlier, and now I want nothing more than to work as little as possible with the biggest impact for humans, my income. And then the rest of my life is freedom and play and I'm outside and I'm with nature and I'm not working, you know? And it's like, it's funny how the pendulum now swings. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's hard. I'm not perfect. I'm trying to figure it out. Do you feel like while you can be on and off and when you say on and off, I take that as on the clock mm-hmm. and off the clock. So it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're zoned in or you're, you know, you're not in work mode. Do you find that your personality and the way you sort of show up as a human changes with that as mm-hmm. well? And then the reason I ask that is because I find myself sometimes when I press record or when I step on a stage, I get like a little more pep in my step than I usually have in everyday life. And I've been trying to figure out if um, maybe that's something bigger, like am I 
not being authentic or am I, am I giving like 150% when I'm around people that I'm now only at like 70% when I'm alone and I need to find a better balance. Does this make sense at all? It's so hard for me to put into words. Listen here, and I've been studying this for a while. Here's the thing. When my job is, is, is a speaker. And so like this weekend, again, I'll go travel and speak at an event and I'll be on, but I'm always this way. I'm my best friends would tell you right now. Angie is always on high energy. Like I am, I am that person. And I, I've really tried to maintain that authenticity. And again, I, I just met a girl at the gym who listens to my show this morning. And she's like, I can't believe you're actually who I thought you were in person. And I'm like, yeah, a hundred percent. You know why? Because inauthenticity is exhausting. And I don't want to show up on IG stories different because then I got to use a different voice and a different tone. And then I got to go to the, you know, it's like, no, inauthenticity is yeah. so exhausting, guys. It's so exhausting. Well, the main thing is if you're going to be a good person online, you better be a good person in real life. And like that, it's great that you ran into someone and she felt like you're exactly the way you portray yourself. And I hope I'm the same way too. I guess what I meant was when someone has like uh, to show up for class and show up for uh, their practice or show up for work. And then now it's like 8 PM and their mom calls, you know, are they going to be on? And I think sometimes that's where I struggle with like, should I have max energy for a conversation with a family member? And I guess it's like figuring out how you're going to show up in all aspects of your life and what feels comfortable Absolutely. For you. So the human body is, as much as I would love to say we're superhuman and uh, we're machines, we're not. And energy is exhaustible so to a certain point at the end of the day. So we call this segmenting passion. And even a lot of relationship experts discuss this in relationships. So what they mean is, how is it that these women are so passionate in their jobs and their go-getters and speakers, podcasters, whatever, and then they come home or their boyfriend comes home and they're kind of tired. And he's like, really? You just gave all of your passion to your work. And so this is actually a very, very serious, interesting topic that women are learning like, shit, I got to learn how to balance my energy throughout the day or to specifically allocate energy to then give to friends and family. So there will be days where like today, I just gave a ton of energy today. I have to see my boyfriend. So that's not fair to him to then bring someone who's tired. So I do have to be careful with how I'm managing that or I'll go take a nap or I'll go walk outside or I'll go meditate, you know, outside on a yoga mat or something just to rejuvenate my cells again, because my job is so energy rich. It's so energy taxing. I'm always recording or I'm on a video or I'm making a post. It's literally output. So if you think about the physical body, if it's outputting so much, I need to take stuff in. So I do a lot of self-care. I do a lot of like yeah, meditation, baths, I mean, spas, like I go and do all the biohacks in San Diego. I'm like obsessed with getting energy back in because it's sucked. It's like sucked out of me all day. And then I don't want to be tired on the call with my mom, like you said. And that's not fair to my mom because my mom's not, my mom didn't choose for me to have this job, you know? And so I do think it's interesting, but there is a level of, listen, I'm human. So for example, when I speak this weekend, yeah, I'm going to speak Saturday. And then after that, I literally want to be left alone in my hotel room. I want to eat snacks on the bed. I don't really want to talk to anyone for a little bit. Like I want to zen out. I want to be introverted. I'm going to be a hermit. I don't want to be like talking to people in the hallway. So like there is this like on and off and that's okay. And you know, <laughs> that's, that's so the truth. Like all, with the speaking yeah. engagements that you have your hotel room. And then the minute you're done speaking, you're like, talk to everyone. The Q and A is over to my hotel room for a movie. Oh yeah. hundred percent. It's so funny. People are um, like, what do you want to do after pays to be brave? I'm like, I want to go up to my hotel room, take a shower, get into my PJs and watch Netflix for 48 hours because I just served 2000 women for two days. What do you think I want to do? Like, I'm still a human. Like I'm not unstoppable. And I think honoring that as a woman has been so incredible. And so eye opening. like I'm not a machine. I'm not actually a machine. I have a system that needs love and it needs input. And I think any, gosh, if you're a mom listening to this, you need to bring energy back in. You're giving to your beautiful children all day. That's a full-time job just like this. So find those things that bring you energy back in because it's not fair to your husband. And then it's also not fair to your clients if you show up tired. So you have to find ways to bring energy back in. But also there's no shame when you need to reset. And I don't have shame now announcing this publicly on a podcast that like after I speak, I don't want to hang out for eight hours and, and meet people because I'm freaking tired. You know, like I just worked. It's a job. And so I think, yeah, it's been interesting. And they always say like the more on your work is, the more off you want to be in your personal life, which to me is so true now. Like when I'm with my friends, I uh, I just 
really want to chill and detox and not talk about work. But then when I'm in the Angie Lee work zone, I really want to be on. So it's very interesting. That's kind of my... For me, when I speak about mental health and I talk about my story, that can be uh, sort of... I don't know. I don't want to just because I'm so grateful and I love doing it. But when I have to revisit like the darkest days of my life and like illustrate them, um, it just makes me sad. And it just makes me sad because I can't believe like where I used Mm. to be. And I'm so grateful I'm not there now. And I'm so grateful that by sharing that with someone, it could change their life. But it is hard for me to revisit that. And so, you know, like after telling that story, I love meeting people and I love connecting and I will stay like until everyone is gone. But then once that's over, like I'm, I don't want to go out and celebrate about it or, you know, and do whatnot because like it is hard. But the second thing that you said about, um, allocating energy, I loved because I think that just struck a chord in me because I think we manage our schedule as like, what can I do, um, between 8am and, you know, 8pm today and how can I fit everything in? But we need to sort of look at our month and say, you know, realistically, I can't go Monday through Friday um, from 8 till 10 p.m. doing what we do, speaking, podcast, all this stuff. Like, we're not going to have the energy. And so I really love how you brought that up because now I want to look at my schedule. And I think that these times I'm talking about being maybe not as on as I know I can be as a human, it's like after a huge event or it's the Sunday I'm finally home and my family wants to hang out with me. And I'm like, why can't I be the girl I know I can be? And it's like, oh, wow, because I just flew five hours for a 24 hour talk and back and I'm exhausted, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So allocating energy. I love that. And I'm definitely going to try to incorporate that. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. No, it's, it's a, it's a job and it's a dance and, uh, it's a lot, you know, and, and it's speaking to sport and this is a, it's a very energy rich job. And I think honoring that, uh, has been such an awesome thing for me this year. That's been the biggest thing I've learned this year is like, Angie, it's okay to take a day and like go to the spa because you're, you're about to go speak to like thousands of people. Like that's okay. And I think releasing that shame and that guilt and treating this like it's a sport and I'm an athlete has been the smartest thing I've done. And I used to be an athlete. So it's, it's very similar, my mindset to it, right? I train for it. I literally train for pace to be brave. Like I literally get my cardio up. I do self-care. I do massages. I meditate. Like it's not a, a joke. It's like I, I train for it. And that's how I spring up. That's how I show up with my best. And that's how I give these women what they deserve because they don't deserve a tired version of me. You know, that's not what they're paying for. So oh, it's hard though. It's hard. With so many eyes on you and being a public figure and standing on a stage in front of thousands of women, how often are you thinking about what they think of you and how does that affect you? Mm. <laughs> I think I think about it initially when <laughs> it's so funny. I, I think I'm a little bit opposite than some girls. So growing up, I was a tom- tomboy. I was an athlete. So I never was the girl who had perfect hair or makeup or, or style. So I actually hire stylists and I get help with that stuff because that's not my <laughs> zone of genius. So ironically, I'm a little bit more insecure or more fearful of that kind of stuff. Like, oh, what am I supposed to wear? And are they looking at my hair? Is my makeup not good enough. Or I think about stuff like that when I'm on stage really quick, still the little 12 year old in me or the 16 year old in me that wanted to be the prettiest school girl in high school comes out. And the, the 16 year old who wanted to have the best makeup at the, at the prom wants to come out. Right. And so I find that inner child is there, but when it comes to my message and my voice, I am not as afraid anymore because it's been, it's been a few years of doing it. And so I've built the confidence around the value of the message. And I think having the podcast has helped because it, it allows me to get instant feedback from my community saying, I loved this. I loved this. This was helpful. This was great. So then when I go speak on it, it's, it's easier, but it definitely takes time. I mean, the first few minutes of any speech, I'm terrified. The first few minutes of even when I release my podcast, I press post and I literally go in the other room and I freak out. I'm like, Oh my God, Oh my God, it's live. Someone's going to hear it. Someone's going to hear it. What if they hate it? What if they hate it? I'm like, what if they hate it? What if it sucks? What if they hate it? What if it sucks? And um, I've realized that it's okay if a few people hate it actually. And that polarity is really healthy. And I don't need millions of people to love me. I just don't, you know? And, And emotionally, I think releasing that need for everyone to love you is one of the most powerful things you can do as a human. 
And we all have that 12 year old in us who wants to be the cool kid at school. We want to be picked on the playground and I want to be invited to the birthday party. Right. And so I think that inner child screams at us all day long to be valued and to be loved and to be liked. And the sooner I realize, like, yo, my job is not to get every single person to love me. Like, there are people who hate Tony Robbins. And so if this is the path I want, he's he has haters. He, have, he literally has people who have blogs about how much he sucks and it's a cult or whatever. And it's like, cool, he's laughing to the bank and he's helping millions of lives. So it's almost like I, I, you just start to not care in the most healthy way. <laughs> if you know what I mean, Victoria? It's like you care so deeply, but then yeah. you don't care about the people who don't resonate with it because they're not worth your time. And so if I'm wasting time thinking about Susan <sighs> who doesn't like me, well, Stacy over there is waiting for me to give her love and value. So it's like, dude, it's not fair to Stacy. So it's a, man, it's, it's my, it's my hardest part of my job is, is not, is releasing that. It's so funny how you just name drop these names in your captions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys check out Angie's Instagram. She'll just, she'll call out these random Stacy's and Susie's left and right. It's hilarious. But, um, my favorite thing that you just brought up was, uh, how not everyone's going to like you. And I think you can be the nicest kindest, most thoughtful, whatever it is, bubbly people won't like you. And they might not like you because you're so bubbly, nice and whatever. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's definitely been something that I always deal with and I struggle with. And I frequently love to get the opinions of other girls and what they think, because you're right. It is something we all experience from a young age who gets, you know, and like you're at a sleep, uh, you're at like a hangout in your middle school and then like an elite group of the of girls get invited to the secret after party mm-hmm. sleepover. I saw a tweet about that. And I thought that was so yeah. funny. It's like so true how people used to do that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you grow up and you're, and everything is like, why wasn't I invited here? What about this Snapchat? It's all being like shoved in our faces. Yeah. Um, and then not even that, it's like, if you give a speech, what, you know, does someone want to give you an impact statement or do they not want to, you know, what is your podcast getting reviewed? It's just, you're putting yourself out there for millions to view you any way. Yeah. I feel naked every single time I'm on a stage. Think about that. You're literally standing there. It's the most vulnerable thing you could do. That's why being a speaker or a comedian is, is, is tough. And I give so much respect to any woman who gets up on any stage. If it's five people, 5,000, whatever. I have so much respect for comedians and speakers because I know that feeling of you're, you want to puke and, and you feel like you feel like you're naked and there's a light on you and everyone's staring at every imperfection and it's just intense. So it's, it's really, it builds tough skin and it makes you realize that if you show up and give your best, that's all you can do. And I have to choose, choose my heart, right? Choose my fear. And if my fear is no one shows up, that's one of them. But if the fear is, oh my God, what if they all do show up and then they see me and I'm seen, the fear of being seen is so deep. Well, I can't be afraid of both. Right. And so I, I try to breathe in being super grateful. And every single time before I get on stage, I say the same thing. I say one, have fun. And then I say, deliver the message that at least one girl out there needs to hear. And if I help one person, then that's it. And that's all I can do. And if, five girls hate it out of a thousand. Well, cool. They they can go to another event, you know? And uh, I think that's probably the hardest thing as women is releasing this feeling of everyone needing to love us. And even just talking about it, it's so funny. It's like such a real visceral thing. It's like the 12 year old in me is like, but what if, why don't they like me? You know? <laughs> right. I mean, I was looking at um, even this podcast, I think I have like, I don't know, like a, a sliver of like a, a one star, two star rating. And I was like, I want, I like want to know who did this. And so I was like looking to see what the comment was. Like I was trying to find it and I was like, Victoria, why are you scrolling through all of these amazing comments about these people that actually value the conversations you broadcast and you're searching for the one comment, literally mm-hmm. the one comment that's mm-hmm. negative. And I was like, you know what? I'm not wasting my time scrolling to find like, hey, like that's going to happen. Um, but it's just been something that, you know, I've been getting used to. Because obviously when you put something out into the world, you're thinking it's helpful. You're thinking it's great. You've thought it through a million times. So when someone's like, mm, no, this is shitty. You're like, oh, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. And it's a waste of time to do that. But we've all done that. And I don't read reviews anymore. I don't read podcast reviews. Um, I'll be honest about that. I will not read my book reviews when my book comes out. Absolutely not. I'll read comments and I respond to my community, but I won't because Sharon or Steve or whoever, who gives me four or three or two, it doesn't matter. I wrote the book because I know it's going to help somebody. And that's who I'm writing it for. I'm not writing it for the few that don't like it. That just, and, and listen, 
you're not successful if you haven't received hate, right? I remember the first time I received my troll, I used to call it troll mail, this horrible this horrible uh, one-star review on the podcast like two, three years ago. And I called my brother and I was freaking out and he had been in the public eye more. So I was like, what do you do about this? What do you do? And I'm like bawling my eyes out. He was like, you know what you do? I'm like, what? He's like, nothing. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, congrats. I'm actually really happy for you. I'm like, why? He's like, because your ratio is going up. You know, you're becoming successful when you have people who don't like your work. Congrats. And he like hung up the phone and I was like, oh my God, he's so right. And giving that person my energy is a waste of time. So I didn't, I didn't respond and I moved on with my life and I created another piece of content. Like if I, I'm never going to become who I want to become in this world without getting girls and guys who are like, she sucks. I hate it. She's weird. Like it's just people, you know, that's just humans. It's the internet. It's the interwebs. It's life. And I think that's something I'm still working on is building that, building that tough skin. Cause I know where my heart's at and you know where your heart's at. You know, you're in this for the right reasons. So that's all you need to go to bed with, right? If you can go to bed at night and and know like, hey, I'm doing this to help people and I know where my heart's at, then that's that's the only opinion that really matters, right? Right. And it, and it's important if we have that opinion and it's a sound one. And where do you feel like you are at with your own opinion mm-hmm. of yourself and sort of your self-love and and the and the thoughts and the things you say to yourself on a daily basis? Would you say you're at a place that makes you happy? Have you grown from like previous places in your life and and sort of what's that journey been like with self-love and your own inner dialogue? Yeah. Every year it gets a little bit better, which I love. And I love knowing that in my thirties, it's going to be even better. And I think as I'm getting older, it just, it just keeps getting healthier and better. And the conversation in my head is more and more. So, and just show up, have fun, do your best, serve humans, and then be done. Show up, give your best, serve humans, and then be done. And it's just this feeling of service and this feeling of I was born to be a communicator and I'm just so clear on my purpose here on this planet and I'm going to do it. And it doesn't even feel like my choice. So I'm like, I'm showing up, I'm doing it, I'm serving. And I have that conversation with myself that no matter what happens, I'm okay with it. I have that conversation that if this weekend I get up there and I bomb it, I mean, I won't, but if I do, then life moves on and I won't die. And I won't, I literally tell myself I won't die. Like literally, unless it's skydiving and there's a chance to die, I'm not, I'll still be breathing. And I just have a very, That's so I always think of the most, the worst thing that could happen. I'm always like, I'm not in jail. I'm like, if I killed someone by accident, that would yeah. be a real pickle. But this is so funny. <laughs> I just, you know, I have such a healthy relationship with fear and with failure. I have such a healthy relationship with failure. I am not afraid to look stupid. I'm not afraid to fail. And because I'm not afraid of it, it doesn't eat me alive and it doesn't, it doesn't own me. You release ownership of something when you've just accepted it and you swim with it and you dance with it. It's like a wave. If you don't swim with it, guess what? It's going to come and hit you in the face and it's going to hurt and it's going to crash. So surfers know that if they ride the wave and go with it, you're, (laughs) you're much better off. Right. And so I ride the wave of fear. I ride the wave of failure and I just go and I don't expect to be perfect. I think that's been really healthy as I don't put this expectation on myself to have it all figured out. I give myself grace and I give myself, yeah, I think that's the word that comes through. And I love that word. I give myself a lot of grace. I love that verbiage, having a healthy relationship with fear. So many times we hear a healthy relationship with my body, a healthy relationship with food, a healthy relationship with this and that, but I've never heard anyone say I have a healthy relationship with fear. Has it always been that way? Oh gosh, no. I think think almost like a romantic relationship, I've had a bad relationship with fear where I let it stop me from doing things. I let fear hinder me from taking action. I let information paralysis stop me, perfectionism, all of those fear gremlins. I let them stop me from putting out content or posting the video and thinking it had to be uber professional or edited or blah, 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 or it had to be like some other girl's picture or video or sales page online. And then when I cut out the noise, I was able to just be me. And I now just, (laughs) I mean, this is what my book is going to be about is this relationship with fear. Because imagine if more women had a healthy relationship with it, which means it's not supposed to be perfect. It's not always going to be linear. And it's, it's something that ebbs and flows and it's okay to do something and still be terrified. We, we have this assumption that in order to take action, there needs to be a lack of fear, but there, there would be no courage unless there was fear, right? So if you have nothing to overcome, you're not actually being brave. You're just doing something. Bravery comes from 
being scared shitless and still taking action. So it builds that, that confidence muscle. I think confidence and courage is a muscle just like any other muscle that you would flex at the gym. It's something that the more you do it, you've trained your system and you've trained your brain to not be afraid. So every single time I get up on a stage, I do my best, I walk off, and I know I didn't die. Well, it tells my system, hey, you didn't die. You're good. You could do it again. Hey, you didn't die. You're good. You could do it again. So that's why I encourage you ladies, post the IGTV, post the video, post the YouTube video, post the podcast, create the content, because you're going to realize that you don't, you didn't die <laughs> and everything was okay. And you actually get better every time. So I'm, of course, I'm not as afraid anymore to do these things because practice makes perfect and, and practice helps, right? So definitely. And it is funny, like, you never look back on old pieces of content and like you're feeling yourself about to cringe, like scared to watch it. Oh my gosh, all the time. And I love it because it's cute. And it's like, oh man, that's so weird. Why did you post that and say that? And I literally cannot even go back and listen to my podcast. I'm like, oh man, episode one. Oh, it's so weird. Oh, it's weird. I can't listen to it. If someone plays it in front of me, I cannot oh, let someone so play my podcast my in front of me. I'll have friends in the car. They're like, let's play your show. I'm like, no, no, no. That's so weird. Please don't make me listen to myself. It's so weird. And so I think that we're all like oh that. It's gosh. just like, I don't want to listen to it. That's yeah, I'm like, oh, I mean, I love when I find a podcast I like or a girl I admire, I always scroll down to episode one because I want to see like where they started. Um, and so I love listening to other people's episode ones because then it shows me like how much their podcast has has changed and grown and developed and improved. Um, but I am, I think you're about to be around like episode 15 or 16. So my one is still close to home, but maybe in like two years, I'll listen back. I love it. Yeah. Ladies go back and listen to episode one of my show and you will laugh because it's, it's good. It's still good content, but it's just, I've, you can, you remember what you talked about? Eh, gosh, I mean, my initial show was hungry for more. So it was a lot on wellness and mindsets. And then I brought in business, but I don't know. It's just my voice is different. You know, I'm 29 now. I'm a different woman. I've grown, I've matured. I see things differently. And the funny part is right now it's gosh, Tuesday, September 3rd, 2019. We're going to listen to this in five years. And I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, I've changed and grown so much. And so you're going to be like, I'm married my boyfriend and I have a baby yeah, God, now. Let's hope so. So it's like, you know, I think that <laughs> we all evolve, we all change. And that's what makes this process really beautiful. And who that wouldn't be inspiring if I just showed up perfect and mature and all of these things right when I started, ladies would be like, women wouldn't be inspired by that. You ladies wouldn't think that was cool. It's like our evolution is what makes us so unique and so incredible as humans. And that growth is what makes it special, right? So without that, it, the life would be super boring if my very first episode at 24 was my best episode. That would be embarrassing to know I didn't get better. <laughs> like what? Life is about that awkward thing. And I love how you said that earlier. You said if it is your best, you started too late. And I love that too, because it, it means like you could have been, you know, working all this time before yeah, this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, start it. Whatever it is, make, make the first version, put it out there. It's probably not going to be your favorite. My initial sales pages, I cringe everything. I'm like, Oh, my first ebook looked like crap. I mean, it, it's just the game and it's growing pains. It's like high school. It's like, I feel like I'm way better looking now than I was in high school. I had acne and braces and I, it just was, it was a hot mess express. You know what I mean? So like things get better. <laughs> yeah. And because you have an athletic background, you could relate. I mean, I almost think a good analogy would be like the first team you ever played on was probably a bad team. You probably didn't play. And then the next year you make a better team. Next year you make a better team. And then soon you're recruited and you're like whatever it is. And so if you look back on like an athletic track record, I mean, you start poor, you start like at the bottom and then you grow and you get better. And now you're a varsity starter. Whereas, you know, why is it with work? We're just like supposed to be starting on varsity. You know, why, why then is it, do we treat it differently? Yeah. And listen, and, and here's something we didn't even mention. If you had a machine or some sort of pill that you could give me and you'd say, Angie, I'm going to take it all away. I'm going to erase all of that. And I'm going to take what you know now and who you are now. And then transport you back to the past. I would say no, because the falling on my face, the being awkward, the not knowing what I'm doing, the having to Google everything, hiring coaches, asking friends for help. I mean, all of the shitty, crazy, awkward, growing pains, acne, braces, we'll call them business times that I had to go through. 
are what made me who I am. I can come from a place of compassion when I'm creating content because I know what she's going through. And women will say to me, how did you write that? I feel like you're in my head. I'm in your head, Susan, or whatever. I'm I'm in your head because I know what it's like. And I was there. I was there with my very first blog post where the only person who liked it was my mom. I was there when my very first video was shitty in the dark and, and not good audio and no one watched it. I was there when no one was on my lives. I mean, if you think about it, it's I wouldn't take that away from myself. And just like right now, I have all this growth to do to become who I want to be in this world for the next 10, 20 years. I don't want to speed up the next 10 to 20 years. I want to go through that pain and the, and the awkwardness and I I want to learn and that's where we learn. So if you take, if you take rock bottom away from a human, sometimes you're taking away the lessons and you're taking away the most beautiful part of success, which is experiencing the failure. So as corny as it sounds, I wouldn't change any of this. And if you're a woman listening who's at the beginning right now and it kind of sucks and you're, and you're wanting to give up. This is what's building you into the confident, strong woman you need to be. It's, it's almost like you're in the school of life and it's, it's, it's making you tough and it's, it's giving you that, that tough skin. So I wouldn't change anything. That is so inspiring. And I honestly want to just end it there because I literally don't think you could have said it any better. Thank you so much for coming on Hashtag RealPod today. I really appreciate it. And it has been such a pleasure speaking with you. And I can't wait to keep following and tracking all the amazing stuff you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. It's been amazing. Thank you. I just love talking to Angie. She was the coolest, literally so nice. And I just thought everything she said was so informative and helpful. If you agree and you want to learn more from Angie and even meet her, you can purchase tickets to Angie's Pays to be Brave event happening in San Diego this October 4th through 6th. And if you use the code Victoria at checkout, you will save $100 on your ticket. That is seriously so generous of Angie to offer that to our community. I did not ask her to do that. She just kindly said that all of our listeners could have $100 off their tickets if they purchase them to the Pays to be Brave event happening in October. I actually think I might be going to this. I'm pretty sure I am. So we could even meet there too. Also, follow her on Instagram at The Angie Lee Show. And check out her podcast on iTunes and Spotify, also called The Angie Lee Show. Thanks again to Angie for sharing her wisdom with us all today and for you guys to tuning in this week. Much love and enjoy your day.